0: So if you had one minute to give music artists the best music marketing advice you possibly could, what would you say?
1: As a music artist, you are a storyteller. You're telling two different stories, but how can you tell your story via your social media? There's a lot of secret monetization strategies around it. And so when you do less, you could still make money, but there's a lot more money, the more that you do. And all the artists are missing out on this money. It's like six figure money out here. 70 Um, snaps a day is the key, it's
0: a lot. 7-0.
1: 7-0.
0: Wait, like, for real, 70?
1: 70 for good monetization, yeah. Whoa! Real good monetization. All of it is. Music, TV, film, social media, long form, short form. It's how can you tell a story in a way that people want to watch the next part of your story? Stop overthinking and thinking that you're not an influencer because influencers are just storytellers. And as a music artist, you are a storyteller, you're telling two different stories. But how can you tell your story via your social media, it's just a new avenue to tell your story similar to an interview, or if you were going on the radio, or your music was being told in through a music video. It's the same thing. So start thinking about it as a new avenue to share your story.
0: Nice. Yeah, a lot of creators I've talked to, when you start to get them to go into music marketing, it's like the creative part of their brain just like turns off. And they're like,
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Like,
0: w- one guy I talked to, he was trying to promote a show. And he was like, Oh, man, I want to promote the show, but I don't have a flyer. I was like, You don't need a flyer. Like, a flyer is not going to perform well on social media. Like, you post your flyer. And I was like, Get like some awesome performance footage and, and mm-hmm. cut it up in some interesting way and show people like, like, try to make them imagine having fun at your show. And then he was like, Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like I I, Mm -hmm. do, do you find that when you work with artists or non artists, like, does that kind of thing happen a lot?
1: All the time. And this happens on the influencer side, too. But on the artist side, you know, for me, it's how can we get these artists to understand the psychology behind all this. So what I train my team on all the time is speaking to them in a way that they can understand. They understand music as a therapy, you're writing a song in song format, how can you get them to understand video format in the same way that they understand song structure, because you can't break the rules until you know the rules that you need to break. And so that's where a lot of artists are struggling is, like you said, the creative side just turns off when it's the same kind of thing. Because if I ask them what they want their music video to be, they'll just ramble on for two hours, right? They all have like this whole vision and the dancers and the whatever the creative is. But then I'm like, what do you want to do for your social media? And it's like, well, I just don't like social media. And I'm like, it's the exact same thing. And so it's, you know, you're posting your music video on social media, it's going on YouTube. So why is it different? It's different because it's new. It's different because you don't, the teams don't know how to ask the right questions. So for me, it's how do we teach teams to ask those questions? And the questions are, you know, what do you want people to feel when they look at your social media? The same way, what do you want them to feel when they listen to your music? Or what do you want them to feel when they watch that music video? What do you want them to walk away thinking? What do you want their brain to be saying? What do you want them to connect to? And then once you have that answer, that's how you should be portraying yourself.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So let's let's do a little intro for a sec, Yeah. because uh, you have some pretty awesome accolades. (laughs) Like, I think I saw (laughs) six billion YouTube views. Uh, you've, You've got an album up to number seven Spotify charts. Yeah. Uh, and there was this list of awesome creators that you worked with an awesome brand. So like, give a give a couple minute intro of who you are and what you do.
1: My name is Tamima. I um, started a company called Next Step Talent in 2020. Um, shortly after I graduated college, I had been in music, working at various record labels, started an organization during quarantine to help women, you know, empower them to not stress about quarantine, but to make a difference during that time and then um from there you know TikTok was blowing up and i started to manage some of the influencers and then it it you know it worked and for me each part of my journey has just been about how can i help people in a different way and so for me this is the avenue that i've found and in september we're going to be launching a company called next step creatives which is basically music consulting. It's what we've been doing from a management perspective, but now being able to help labels and artists learn how to use analytics and help their artists storytell on social media. So many of these marketing companies are focused on the TikTok campaigns, the YouTube campaigns, how can we blow up a song? But I'm saying, wait a second, how can we blow up an artist? How can we get that their story out there? Because ultimately, Fans don't connect to a song, fans connect to a human, a human with a passion and a story. And how can we get them to do that? Well, we can't do that unless the artist understands how they need to portray that story. The same way you wouldn't have a horrible rollout with branding all over the place um, from a label right. standpoint. So that's what we're focused on there. And you know, on the management side, we now have about 25 creators. Um, we're partnered with all the platforms, being able to help them learn monetization strategy our biggest focus is how can we help you build a long-term plan and monetize from a branding and marketing perspective, more so than just, you know, agency side partnering with brands. That's like the bonus nowadays.
0: Yeah, right, right. Do, do you tend to focus more on organic channels versus paid channels or, or is there some certain ratio or breakdown that you typically focus on?
1: Organic channels versus paid in what capacity? Do you mind like me? uh,
0: social media strategy versus like that would be an example of like a free organic channel versus uh, paid influencer campaigns or paid advertising campaigns, et cetera. Yeah.
1: So we're focused on building their actual channels. So we do work with the brands, like you said um, in in your intro, like we've worked with a ton of different brands and we do that all the time. But the way we look at brands is like, at the end of the year when you're working for your company and you get like a bonus at the end of the year. That's what we look at brands as. Brands are the bonus, but brands are not the backbone of your company. Brands, because brands come and go, those relationships evolve. You have a long term partnership, then you have a new long term partnership. They're not consistent. They don't provide a business model. So we focus on how can we build a business model for our creators based on their actual ad sense revenue from platforms. So really, their actual content creation. And then on the music side, um, you know, it's the storytelling aspect, of course, which is totally different ballgame.
0: Right. So what what's the, f- and this is going to vary, because it's going to be different for every artist and every genre and everything. But when you get a new I'll just use music artists because most of the people watching this are going to be music artists, as an example. Right. Um, if you get a new music artist, let's just call them a average pop artist, just for the sake mm-hmm. of example. And I don't, know, I don't know what kind of size people you'll, like, you'll generally start working with or if there's any certain like numbers or anything like that. We can get into that later. But what's like the first thing that when they, they start working with you that you sit down and work on with them?
1: The first thing from a management perspective, so I'll I'll speak on both perspectives. From a management perspective, the first thing is really just getting to know them as a human. Who are you and who do you want to be? And how is your packaging? Because music, pop music specifically, is entirely packaging. How are you creating a brand around yourself? And what does that look like to you? And what is that? And and how much time and effort are you willing to put into that brand? So that's the artist management side. And then we obviously are digging into what contracts have you had in the past? How can we make sure that these are all up to date and good and that we're not unaware of any piece of information? How can we get involved with everyone on your team? From a consulting perspective, it's what's your baseline? When I ask you, Um, What do you think about social media? I want to know what your thoughts are on it now. Then how can we change your perspective? So then we go into that kind of psychology conversation. And then what is not working now? Is it a lighting problem? Is it a sound problem? Is it an editing issue? Is it a content issue? Like, is it a branding problem where you're an artist singing about sad songs, but now you're posting like, you know, like you're the most confident human, that doesn't check out. No one's gonna believe yeah. you. So, that is what we dig into.
0: Gotcha. So, on what if an artist comes to you and, and I would I would think the answer is that you wouldn't be working with them if this was the case. But if they come and they're just like, I don't want to do social media, what what do you what do you say to them to that?
1: It, it's all the psychology questions, right? Half of the job is. Well, why don't you want to do social media? Like, what what do you feel social media does for you? And then they start to speak to you about it. And really for us, for my team, it's how can we get to the root of the problem? Like, what is the root? It's a lot of life coaching, like the root of it is never just I don't want to do it. That's not the root. The root is I'm afraid it's not going to work. I've done it in the past and it didn't work. I wasted my time. My friend did it and it didn't work. Or it's, I'm not confident enough to do that. And so then the conversation is, well, are you confident enough to go up on stage and tour? And the answer is always yes. I love touring. My fans make me feel amazing. I go to the meet and greet, yada, yada. It's the most. So I said, so then it's why is this any different? And it's because of perspective. So now it's how do we change that perspective? to align with the same perspectives that they have on touring, because nobody doesn't do things just because it's always they feel like they're not good at it, feel like it's not a good lane for them. So how do you empower them to feel like that's something they can do and can conquer? And that's where a lot of labels and a lot of music management companies don't know how to speak to them in that way because they don't understand it enough to do that.
0: There's been several people I've I've talked to that they they've said their reason for not wanting to do social media is the massive time commitment that it involves. Mm-hmm. And they, and a lot of the people that feel this way, they have more money than time. So, you know, like some people have infinite time and no money and some people have infinite money, no time. And there's people yeah. kind of in the middle. And so some of the people that have like no time, they're so busy working and they have plenty of money. They're, you know, they're like, I, cause I talk a lot about Facebook ads in my, my platform. And mm-hmm. I'll tell people like, we can get your song to do really well. With the Facebook ad campaign, we can get it to trigger algorithmic playlists. We can get song mm-hmm. hundreds of thousands of streams. But if you're not posting on social media or doing anything else that's involved in being an, an artist, then it's pretty much just going to be like a song by song thing. Like people mm-hmm. aren't going to stick to your brand and follow you for the long term because like there's no reason to follow you for the long term.
1: Here's what I would always say is you have time to do anything you want to make time for do you not have time to go to the studio? No, I do have time to go to the studio. Do you not have time to take the calls from your labels? No, I do. I do have time for that. Do you not have time to all these artists are going to these parties on a Friday night? Do you not have time for that? No, 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 I I do have time for that. (laughs) So why don't you have time for social media? It's not being prioritized. That's the real answer. And so how do you get them to prioritize it is getting them to understand the monetary potential and the and the story behind it and how it affects them. Because most artists don't see why or how, they're just being told, hey, post. But why? Why should I? My music's doing well no matter what, so why should I post? And the real answer is, it's the new way to connect with your fans. It's the new way to build up your actual story and get your story out to a larger audience. And so it's really about how you're explaining that to them. And the other thing is if they have the money for it, there's plenty of amazing editing teams. You don't need to be editing your stuff, but you need to film it. And filming it, you can film 10 videos for an artist in two to three hours. So if you're telling me that you don't sit on your couch and play video games for two to three hours, even the biggest artists I know do that stuff. <laughs> so it's, it's a matter of choosing not to do that and that's an old age mentality because if you think way back people used to say well why would i go on the radio that's stupid that's a new thing i don't want to do it and anybody who didn't do it is now gone and nobody knows them and then we had the next phase which was whatever it was and and then people didn't want to do it this is that phase so you have to just do it there's no like i don't have time
0: yeah i every so often i just think like what would I do if it was the year 2002 Mm -hmm. and I wanted to get people to hear my music? Like you, there was no social media. Mm -hmm. There was no social media advertising, like Google ads. I don't even know if that was a thing in 2002. Mm -hmm. Maybe it just started. Um, And it was like, like the internet, like I I don't even know what you would do. And so I like, it's probably the same problem that you would have back in the seventies and eighties and nineties. Like you would probably just have to just tour a ton
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And and uh to me posting, you know, whatever every day on social media or whatever, I guess it's different every platform, but it sounds a lot better than playing five shows a week or something, you know, in terms of like a time commitment perspective. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of um when I talk to older artists, they when they see like what they can do now, they're like, "Oh, like oh, I can run an ad on this platform." It's like, "Oh, and I don't have to like because one guy I know would take like magazine ads back in the day mm-hmm. and he'd spend like or, or do direct mail ads and send like 10,000 letters out to a bunch of addresses and hope that some of those people would mail back and buy a copy of his records and mm-hmm. like you have to do like a $10,000 $20,000 minimum buy <laughs> to do that yeah. and so unless you were well off you couldn't do it and like so moral of the story everything's gotten so much easier nowadays It I mean in certain ways but like I feel like a lot of people that uh, hate the social media grind, because it, you know, it's, it's not all the best time in the world posting. Uh, probably don't know that perspective of like the history of what you might have had to do 20 years ago to promote your music online. or Absolutely.
1: Offline. And also there's, you know, the market is so saturated right now. So it's not the same market as it used to be. There's way more artists out there. And so You have to evolve with the times you can't just be stuck. And if you want to send those letters and handwrite them, that's a great method. And I'm sure you'll connect with your fans, but that's a secondary option and a secondary marketing to the social media aspect of it. And why wouldn't you want to reach more people with less time? Yes, it's a grind, but if you understand it. There's a reason why people who are good at social media can replicate it over and over and over and over again. They can make another 12 accounts. There's a reason why some of these seven-year-olds have 15 faceless channels on YouTube. (laughs) It's because they've mastered the algorithm. They're paying attention to how and why things work. There's a reason why Mr. Beast is where Mr. Beast is at. Because he studies it. And he has a team, but he studies it. He pays attention to why somebody's going to care and he over-obsesses over the little things. An artist over-obsesses over the little things in their music, but they won't over-obsess in that same video. They will with the music video, but not with the short form. So it's just changing it. They need to be looking at it the same way.
0: That's a great point. I love hearing the the interviews with Jimmy or, you, Mr. Beast. Like, yeah, is, he's just so. When you when you hear him talk, you realize why he's the most popular creator like, in history. Like, Absolutely. He, he's just you hear the stories like you know I I was in a group chat with ten other creators and we would spend sixteen hours a day talking about YouTube and how we can optimize videos and how can we make our thumbnails better and we'd spend six hours editing a thumbnail and making fifteen different versions and we'd reshoot the same intro fifteen times to get the exact first. 10 seconds to be perfect to get people to watch the whole video. And, um, it's, it's kind of amazing the level of effort that he puts into it. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a YouTuber. We're filming this, this is going on YouTube. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it, I see his effort and I'm like, he, like, he fucking deserves that number one spot with the amount of effort he puts in. And it's, it's not, yeah, you, you can get lucky in social media, but everyone I know that's big on social media, they, they could start from scratch tomorrow. And and within a year, be back to where they were with a completely faceless account that no one would tie to them.
1: 100%. But it's the same in music, because if you look at Jay-Z and you look at some of those people, Taylor Swift, whether you like her or not, they're paying attention to how to evolve at all times. And they're over obsessing over it. There is a reason why artists that sustain themselves over 10 year careers There's a reason why those ones last and are multi multi millionaires, billionaires, even. And there's a reason why some artists don't they have a short lived career. And it's because they're over obsessing over what's new, what's cool, what's happening. And they're getting into the business aspect of it. Jay Z knew everything going on in his career. He knew what his business managers were doing. He was paying attention to everything that was going on. He went as far as to work in the system to to learn about it. And so it's, you see the same thing on the social side with people like Mr. MrBeast, Ryan Trahan, like all these top people, and even some creators on my roster, you know, AREL, Sydney, our YouTubers like over obsessed. Like today I spent two hours texting one of my clients about nerdy geeky things about like analytics like why did you put this one text here we should move it over a half a second things so simple and so granular make a difference
0: yeah let's let's get nerdy with the social stuff then for a couple (laughs) couple minutes because uh you know what It'd be cool to talk about like right now, what is, wh- are, are there any platforms that are generally working best for people? Are there any f- tactics, I guess specifically for music artists that, that tend to work best, like types of social media posts, formats, um, or are there certain other platforms that are better for certain things? And like, feel free to tackle that in whatever order you'd like. <laughs>
1: cool. That, that was a loaded question. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's start with the one everyone talks about, TikTok. What is TikTok good for? TikTok is good for trends and for virality of a moment. Now, it is not necessarily good for community building. And the reason for that is because people on TikTok the way the for you pages is, is you're constantly stro- scrolling onto the next. So five videos in, you forgot who you saw five minutes ago. Even if you saved that video, I probably like later on, I'm like, wait, did. And then I sometimes I scroll back up. I'm like, wait, what did I see? And so you're constantly moving so quickly that you're forgetting. So for me, it's those TikTok lives that are helpful. It's using TikTok to build a relationship with a brand. It's using TikTok to have a viral moment with your song, less about that community. Now we move on. Um, Twitter. I talk about Twitter because fan bases used to cultivate on Twitter. So if you're an older artist, that's where fan base is cultivated. Now, this is a comment I'm going to make that I would say is I, this is my prediction. So I don't know, but I think threads is going to be the new Twitter for Gen Z because all of my content creators that are Gen Z never use Twitter. And everybody on Twitter is like, why would we use threads? Twitter's the, you know, we grew up on Twitter. You're forgetting that Instagram was that for people who used Facebook. So we're onto a whole new generation of people who never touched Twitter. Not a single one of my clients, like they had like 5K on Twitter and 20 million on TikTok. (laughs) Like they just never used, and that's an organic 5K they posted twice.
0: Right.
1: And so now with threads, all of their audience transferred, a huge, huge portion of their audience transferred and all these labels and people are like, well, I saw threads posted that they dropped off 50% and people aren't the 50% is the people that were on Twitter and wanted to just say, hey, let's see what this is. That's the 50%. The other 50 is an entire new generation that you're missing out on if you're just thinking about the 50 that dropped off. And so that's, that's my take on it. Um, Then we go to Snapchat, highly, highly misunderstood platform. Snapchat has more users actively on a given day than Instagram, and Tiktok combined. That's a stat. that that is
0: a ludicrous statistic that I almost cannot believe <laughs> because google it Google it yeah because like it. the monthly active users for facebook is something like three billion the monthly active users on instagram is like 2.5 or something so i to my knowledge of snapchat was that like their total pool of people was less than a billion and so it is now what i'm guessing might be the reason why it's more active day-to-day is like i don't use snapchat mm. my wife uses it all the time to talk to all of her friends. And like, she'll open up Snapchat like multiple times a day, sending stuff back and forth to her friends and mm-hmm. stuff. She doesn't really follow creators on there. So I'm wondering if like people on Snapchat, they're just like, they're on it like every day. And maybe they only go on Instagram like a couple times a week or something.
1: That's the key. It's not the amount of users. It's the active user base on a given day. And the reason for this again, is all of the people running the music industry are not Gen Z. Gen Z uses Snapchat like millennials use Instagram. So my sister goes to, you know, meet new people at college. And they're like, what's your snap? No one asks, what's your Instagram? So that's where people are missing out is Snapchats being used as the daily texting tool for Gen Z. So they're sending each other memes on Snapchat. They're sending each other like, hey, what are you doing today on Snapchat? Yeah, we look at it as weird. Doesn't matter what we do because everybody else is there. And the reason that it's so crucial and ludicrous for artists to be paying attention is because not only are there millions and millions of dollars in Snapchat that are being left on the table for an artist per year. So that's that's number one money. Number two is audience. Because when you reply to comments on Snapchat and put them on your story, it's super organic. So your audience knows that when you're posting on Snapchat, you're being raw. You're in bed. Your makeup's off. You don't care about anything. The music you're listening to is what's playing in the background. So it's you. It's not who your label made you out to be, who your management made you out to be. It's not who somebody thinks you are. It's just you. It's you in your raw form. And so they believe you more right and that's because people create that you know i have a client who posts a certain type of content on all of her platforms and on snapchat someone asked like do you like posting this type of content and she replied to it and said absolutely not i do it because it works and so now people believe her so now she was like hey you should buy my merch they believe her because she was raw she was honest
0: yeah 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 and that makes a lot of sense i mean the, the the thing that I've found with with my audience here on YouTube is that people will will oh. buy my courses and book a call mm-hmm. with me specifically because you know they they feel like I'm trustworthy, which I Absolutely. greatly appreciate. So, thanks everyone watching. <laughs> <laughs> um but like, you know, they I think the the especially the long-form content when someone starts watching you for mm-hmm. like, you know, a 10-minute video multiple times a week, they start building that uh, parasocial relationship or whatever yeah, where yeah. they feel like they know you and they trust you. And like, I do a ton of consulting one-on-one consulting mm-hmm. with, with um, my audience. And um, it's funny hopping in the call with them because they'll, they'll be like, Oh, it's so weird. Like you talking back at the camera. Cause I, I use my same camera with the yeah. same color grade on the zoom calls with them that I use in my videos. So it's like, I try to make the videos feel like in the zoom calls and um, I, I would it makes sense to me why Snapchat is, it's just very much more like intimate
1: Absolutely. platform.
0: Um, now, I'm guessing that it's hugely audience dependent. Like, if if someone's core demographic is, like, 40 to 55-year-old woman, Mm -hmm. Snapchat's probably not the game, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I would say so, but... You know, I also think that everyone should be evolving their audience because you want to reach maximum audience. So I wouldn't close yourself yeah. off and say, oh, my audience is older, I don't need to do that because why wouldn't you want to expand to a younger audience?
0: It's true. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, it, if, uh, if you're not bringing in new people, then you're just gonna, you're just slowly dying, right? Like if, if you're not bringing in the younger generation, the older yeah. you get, your audience ages with you and your audience just gets smaller and smaller and smaller over time.
1: Yeah, and there's no reason for that when you are making a piece of artwork that can be universal that can have that because music is feelings. So feelings are universal, doesn't matter how old you get, you can still relate to something that someone's writing. And so why not widen that audience and leave that for you. Um, And there's also Snapchat shows that artists are not taking advantage of, you know, we have shows for our clients, and we help them we're partnered with Snap, We're able to help them get their shows out there. And it's so crucial because it's another avenue. Um, then I would say Facebook is another one. Facebook's audience, here's a myth. Facebook audience is not as old as you think it is. Because when people think older, they're thinking of no one in their hometown uses Facebook. But everybody's forgetting <laughs> about the rest of the world. All That's these right. kids in Asia, all these kids in, in London and in Europe, they're using Facebook because yeah. the marketing strategies for social platforms are different in every country. So when you're saying, oh, nobody uses Facebook, why would I use it? And a secondary note is the monetary potential on Facebook is crucial. We have clients making six figures a month on Facebook alone. And these are clients who have a younger audience. So to say that it's not going to work is you just being lazy and stubborn. And what's amazing is if you have a great format for your content, we just repurpose our content and edit and change the editing structure. So if you take your clips and you film it off app, which everybody should be doing that. It's so easy because what you do is, you know, that Facebook likes shorter videos, for example. So you're like, okay, let me just edit my video in that way. Now I'm going on Snapchat. That's easy. That takes me a few minutes. I could be super raw, collect photos throughout the day, me at lunch, me here. And and then, you know, TikTok minute longer, minute or longer is doing best right now. So you just hmm. shorten, the, you start with that and shorten it down for the other platforms. Right. So it's easy to be able to repurpose once you create a format that works.
0: Right, right. The thing you said about, like, Facebook having a much different age demographic across the world. Like mm-hmm. Super good point, because I remember reading or watching something about Facebook where they were talking about their expansion into new countries, Yeah, and it was like, you know, they started in the US and it was like a college thing, and then it became an everything thing, but like, there's a bunch of countries that may have just gotten, a- they may have gotten access like 10 years later than everyone else. Yeah. Um, and the, the thing I've noticed is that the Average age demographic is like maybe 10 year difference between Instagram and Facebook. It's not like people imagine their grandmas on no, Facebook. Yeah. And it's it's more like, you know, maybe Instagram is averaging like 25 to 30. and Maybe Facebook's averaging like 35 to 40. Like it's like it's not like this massive mm-hmm. shift. It's kind of like this. It's like a single generation shift, if that.
1: Yeah. And also with cross promoting now on Reels, you can easily post onto Facebook. So it's yeah. one click of a button. It is very simple people like just do it. And then my favorite platform is YouTube. Um, I love YouTube because not only does the YouTube team care about creators and take care of us, but the YouTube platform listens to it's all the algorithm is focused on what your audience wants, make good content. And your audience will resonate with that content if you're making the best content you could possibly make. It is super nerdy, super focused on the algorithm, super focused on the data, the statistics. How can you make this one area? How can you center yourself so that people feel in a certain way? And I love it. And it creates really, really strong community. And every artist needs a strong community. And that's the goal. So shorts is amazing. I heard an artist tell me, so what's this new thing called Shorts? And I'm like, you are three years late. My clients have been posting since 2020. You need to get on immediately because it's not new. And Shorts has a really high reach and a lot of potential to help your music reach a new audience. And people are creating trends on YouTube.
0: Yeah. The Shorts thing is I found weird on my channel. And I think I just haven't found a format that fits. Cause like, I remember right, like I, right when shorts was enabled on my channel, mm-hmm. I posted a bunch and everyone was like, what the hell is this is like the worst video you've ever done. <laughs> Cause it was like, a th- it was like, it looked like a TikTok, but it was like, you know, on a yeah. thing and people didn't know it was like a short. They thought it was like a video. Yeah. And then like, people were like, I hate this short form stuff. So I stopped for a while and I've tried to kind of periodically get back into it. And, um, I think I just haven't kind of figured out the format that makes sense for it.
1: (laughs) Here's what I'll say is shorts and long form have two totally separate audiences. So people who like shorts do not like long form. People who like long form do not like shorts. So when you're strategizing, you should strategize differently for for each type. And that will attract the audience that's interested in that type of content.
0: So do they by they I mean YouTube do, do these, the stats you get on a, and you might not know the answer to this do the, but do the stats they give you from YouTube shorts, does that influence no. in any way, negatively or positively the kind of algorithmic stuff you have going around in your long form content? No, not really. It's pretty much like two separate pools of people and algorithms. Is the, there's a lot of myths yeah. with YouTube too where, where creators would be like, oh I feel like if this video I did did poorly. Then my next video, it's like I'm trying to push myself back up. And then they're worried like, oh, if I post a bunch of shorts, is my regular long-form content going to suffer if the shorts don't take off?
1: Here is the thing. The algorithm for YouTube is different from most other platforms. And I sound repetitive, and I'm sure everyone here has listened to a Mr. Beast podcast where he says the exact same thing. Make good content And it will be shown because YouTube is about your audience and what your audience wants to see and what the viewers on the homepage when it goes to feed want to see. And so it shows you things similar to something else that you watched. So if it shows it to you, it means that it's something you would like. If they scrolled past, it means it was a bad video and that you need to improve your quality. So it's a very introspective platform. Like if it's not doing well, it's because you did something wrong. There's no like shadow ban audience. What I will say is the and the and YouTube will say this is make sure that you're posting like the same style of content because it shows your videos to people that are similar to what it picked up that your channel is about. So if you have two separate identities, make a separate channel for that second one, because that's when it'll kind of affect how it's doing. And that's just because the algorithm knows you usually post music stuff. And all of a sudden, you're posting not music stuff. Now you're doing finance, it's going to be like, what the hell?
0: Yeah, that what I I changed the topic of my channel, probably four times over the years. Mm -hmm. And then Um, you know, very slowly and over literally the course of since 2007. I've been, I've I've like 700 videos uploaded. (laughs) Um, And like in 2020 or or 2019, I started posting music marketing stuff just for fun because I was doing music production before that. And then when I saw people really love that, I started doing that more. And then I was kind of bouncing between this music production thing and this music marketing thing. And what happened is every other video was just tanking. Because mm-hmm. it was like YouTube didn't know, like,
1: Exactly.
0: these people like this one and these people like this one, but they're not the same people. And so I just said, screw it. I'm going 100% music, music marketing, music business, and I'm just going to abandon all of this. Maybe I'll start another channel later for that stuff if I really miss it. And that, I... like, quadrupled my channel growth since then
1: i had this exact conversation two hours ago i'm getting deja vu because one of my clients is trying to pivot and she's teetering between two different things and what i said was the exact same thing you can't be half in and half out because everybody's confused you have to give off the confidence that you care about something for everybody else to feel that same way. The algorithm works the same way. If you give off the confidence, it'll push you in the right direction. If you give off the confidence towards something else, it'll push you in that direction. So if you have two channels and, and you're confident in both, great. It'll push you in the right direction. But it's when you're like, man, I don't really know. Same way if you go to someone, you're like, what should we do for dinner? And you're all unsure, they, they're unsure too. Yeah. But if you assert confidence, they're gonna feel that same way. And so that's how that's how all the platforms work. And that's the same way I say to artists when they're promoting their music, if you're confident in what you're sharing and you're sharing it in a way that is good content, it's gonna do well. But most of them are not. They're just half assing the video because they don't wanna do it and their label's making them do it.
0: <laughs> well, that, that's a that's a good transition to uh, what should artists actually be doing in their videos? And uh, again, obviously, it's so different for every artist. Like a a death mm-hmm. metal band is going to have completely different content from like an alt pop right. artist that's like right. 21 years old or something. But you know, what, are there certain formats or types of content that you found in general are the most worthwhile?
1: This goes for any human doing social media and trying to blow up, your first three seconds are the most important part of your entire video. That's gonna determine how it works. You, we talked about this a little bit earlier. You were saying, Mr. Beast, how on a video, he was over obsessing and redid the intro 19 times. That's because the first three seconds are the most important. So the lighting and everything in the first three seconds needs to be perfect. Something that people don't know is the lighting of your video is everything. So if your account favors dark lighting, then you need to always use dark lighting. If your account favors bright lighting needs to always use bright lighting, because what that means is that your video blew up. People like that lighting the algorithm were like it triggered the algorithm to know that people like it when they do X, Y, Z. So now if you do X, Y, Z again, it's going to work. But most people are not paying attention to that. And the first three seconds, what should you do in it? What is your story? What are you trying to get out there? Because a lot of artists are like, they get in front of the camera. They're like, hey, go listen to my new single. I'm bored. Would you watch this video? Like, ask yourself, like, would you click and listen through this entire video? The answer is no, you wouldn't. If it tanked, you probably wouldn't. If it did well, you probably would. Because there's a reason why (laughs) videos that do well, do well. And so you have to give yourself that first three seconds and really say, what could I say in this that is going to tell my story? And what artists struggle with is how to create that parasocial relationship is tell somebody something that you did yesterday or a few hours ago. And at the end, tell them something you're going to do later, because that makes them invested and want to come back for more. How do you do that? That could be in a trend. It could be what you're wearing. It could be what you're saying. It could be in your music. There needs to be an evolution of your story for people to be invested in
0: it. It's like that, uh, soapbox email sequence, it's email sequence. I don't know if you ever heard of that, but it's like, a no. Russell Brunson has this, you know, his book dot com secrets. And he talks about the soap, the soap soap opera email sequence. And it's like what you – it's like a type of email funnel workflow where like you, you, know, you have a lead magnet to pull someone on your email list. And then like they give them the thing but then you tell a story that's like related to your business or your thing. And then at the end of that email, you say like, well, this email's gotten on long enough but tomorrow I'm going to tell you about this amazing thing. And then the next day exactly. you tell them that amazing thing but then you start this story but then you leave the story kind of half-baked. And like, oh, I guess we'll talk about you know, well, tomorrow we'll talk about mm-hmm. how this. And then so it's like it, it has this narrative where it's not like story, 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 story. It's like the story is kind of like half baked into each thing. So it, mm-hmm. it's and, but TV shows do it too. Know,
1: have you I've never seen think.
0: like The Circle or Too Hot to Handle or yeah or anything where you know they end it and um, you know it's like someone's gonna break up with someone and then all of a sudden. They're about to like say what they're going to say, and then it's just like credits. And then it's like next yeah. episode, five seconds. You're like, oh, I've got to watch the next one now. Um.
1: <laughs> Social media is new age TV. I don't understand why people struggle to understand this, but music's the same way, right? It's like all these areas of entertainment, if you like zoom out and you're what, what is this? It's just how do you get good at telling a story? That's all it is like that. That's all all of it is music, TV, film, social media, long form, short form. It's how can you tell a story in a way that people want to watch the next part of your story? And I want to listen to the next part of your story and want to care about the next part of your story. So When we look at TV, like you said, it's the same thing. It's what are you baking in there that make people want to stay? Are you telling them a little snippet of something and then just cutting it? Are you, you know who does this great too? Streamers. They'll like be mm. on the stream, they're like talking and they're like, yeah, by the way, like I'm gonna drop this merch. Like, you know, Dream does this all the time. I'm gonna do this in, in whatever few weeks. And then they continue on the conversation and pay no attention. Like it's as if they didn't say anything. <laughs> and so people, all the comments, how do they blow up the comments? All the comments are like, wait, go back. What did you just say? Yeah, Yeah. Because people like to know the secret. They want to know what's next, what's happening, what they're missing out on. But where artists struggle is they give too much too quickly. And they're not pulling back enough to allow for that room. And TV shows are great at that because they'll introduce a character in the first episode that doesn't reappear until six later. So the whole time everyone's like, when's that guy going to reappear?
0: Yeah. I, I, we started watching Narcos recently because we never watched it and like mm. the first episode like Pedro Pascal shows up for like five seconds and like you know we have just seen The Last of Us and um, Mandalorian and mm-hmm. something else he was in and and so you like, like oh you know Pedro Pascal sweet and then like he showed, didn't show up to like three episodes later yep. <laughs> and so it was kind of the, I don't know if back then because that was one of his earlier things did it on purpose or not but like a lot Definitely. of TV shows do that
1: definitely on purpose. It's always on purpose. I had a client who texted me a few hours ago, who was like, um, I was listening to a podcast. And I heard that dream picked the color of their channel, like the green um, on purpose, because no one else had that. And it was like a disgusting color that everyone would talk about. And she was like, I never thought of it that way. I just thought that they liked this color and picked it. Everything in entertainment, the successful people, every little thing is so calculated and in music it is so calculated too like if you think k-pop entirely calculated right <laughs> pop entirely calculated but all of a sudden when you talk about this new thing they like forget how to be calculated it's, it's like the right. most magical thing
0: <laughs> <laughs> is is uh so I, I saw somewhere that you, you kind of get to beta test and a lot of yeah. features with social media platforms, and you're you're actually, like, talking with people that work at a lot of the social media platforms. Yeah. Uh, is the algorithm on most of these platforms really just focused on watch time slash listen time? Like, is that pretty much just... An, like, I've heard on YouTube it's expected watch time per unique user impression, which basically, like, every time we serve, serve a thumbnail what is the average expected watch time hours that video will generate based on that impression? So it's really just like watch time. And yes. is it the same thing on TikTok, Snapchat? Well, Snapchat's different, but like every, every social platform, is that kind of just the game everywhere now?
1: Yeah, in theory, right? It's called different things, but how long can you keep a user to watch your video? That is all you should care about. How long can I engage them And what percent of my video are they staying for? And that's the same game for TV, the same game for music, the same game for across entertainment. That's just the game. How long can you keep people engaged in what you are showing them to make them want to come back for more? And yes, each platform has a different kind of metric, but ultimately it's all the exact same. The longer that people watch your video, the more your video is going to be shown to other people. And if you break it down to kind of dumb terms, like to to the basics, it's why would the platform show a video if other people didn't like that video, because they want people to stay on their platform. And if everyone was bored, they would leave. (laughs) So when you break it down, it just makes it makes sense, right? The more people that are engaged in what you are showing the more times they're going to show your content to those same people the more times they're going to show your content to people who also like something else similar and it just continues that cycle if you have a video that's not engaging it's likely because you did something different or you're picking a different niche for that video and the audience that it's being shown to is not resonating. Doesn't mean it's a yeah. bad video it just means maybe you need to change the way you're doing it and trick the algorithm a little bit to to get it to show it to those people.
0: The way I think about the, the content on my channel, I, I have like my normal videos that are between seven and 20 minutes long. Right. And those are like my main I mean, I'm a you know, I'm not in an entertainment niche, I'm more in like an education niche. Right. And those videos tend to do the best. Some will do worse than others and some will just do amazing. Mm. But these videos, um, I, they do worse than those generally in terms of views. However, I continually get feedback from people who are, like, are the deepest in my community that these are the videos that they love the most. And so mm. they don't, it's like these videos aren't, for, like I think of these videos as not to like pull in new people as much. These are the videos to like give my biggest fans or whatever you want to, whatever mm-hmm. all of you want to call yourselves, um, the content that they love the most. And they come back to it and they have really long watch time. And so I kind of think of like, I have videos that pull in the new people. I have videos to keep my existing audience as, as happy and content and coming back as much as possible. And then I have videos that are more around like sales or driving people places. Um, Which is amazing. Do you do a similar process for for music artists or for other creators you work with that are maybe in an entertainment niche?
1: Absolutely. Um, There's different for YouTube, yes. For TikTok, no. So because TikTok is very like you want to keep your branding very consistent, I would say no um, as far as like what's your thing to, to elevate your account. For for YouTube, though, you want to feed the people that come back all the time with things that they enjoy. And you want because that's what creates your fan, your super fans that are going to sell. But you also want to gain new people, like you said, and so how are you going to gain new people, the new people aren't going to be as engaged in something like this, because it's boring in the first three or four seconds. And there's no way to really change that because it's it's just the way it is. But once you capture them, now they are like, Oh, my gosh, like, I like him, I'm invested in him. I don't care what those first three seconds are, I'm gonna watch. Because yeah. I'm gonna learn something. So I always think of like, the outward as the more animated. And the like, even for education, right? It's like, you're a little bit more animated. And this is the more raw sector. Podcasts are always the more raw. Aspects, And then your short form clips of podcasts are usually what goes more viral than the longer form.
0: Right, right. That's actually why at the beginning of this video, I've been starting off with that whole one minute advice thing. Because I used to start off with like just letting the the guests introduce themselves. But then like I realized like that's probably the most boring thing in the world to start (laughs) a video with. She's like, hi, I'm Tamima, and I run this company. It's like people are like, I don't know you. <laughs> like, what? like I'm, I've okay. watched, I'm watching Andrew's channel. Why would I care about this lady yet? But if we start off with, like, what is your best advice, then now it's like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Who the hell is this lady, and why should I listen to her? And then we kind of talk about some stuff, and then you introduce yourself. It's like, oh, that makes sense. She's got some really cool, like, credits and things she's done. Let me learn more kind of thing. That
1: was a super smart play. Nice.
0: Super
1: <laughs> smart play. What I would say even further could be cool, and I don't know if it would work, would be maybe in the first, like, second, you kind of recap, like, a cool thing from the last one um, that you spoke about that you can tie into this next one so that people from the last one are, like, oh, oh right. Just Yeah.
0: Like- I-, I thought about, uh, I, th- I watched Anthony Padilla, is that how you say his name? The big uh, guy from Smosh or whatever that went off <laughs> on his own. Um, he, he like does a hyper edited intro. That's like the first minute is just like awesome bit after awesome bit after awesome bit. And then he goes into his long form. I've thought about doing something like that too, to increase the watch time, but that does it's, work. Yeah. the a weird balance. Cause I like this kind of raw, just two people chatting about stuff with all the stuff in the middle, <laughs> but I'm still playing with it, but
1: you could take like. The funny or key moments from the same one, and then put it in the front, so that it has that raw aspect, but it's like the the quick, which makes people stay yeah. worth playing around with, but I do agree I do hear what you're saying and agree with the raw aspect to an interview. and that's why people come back on your channel
0: yeah, and for for everyone watching, um, this essentially the same stuff that that you you're like the same stuff that I'm doing for my YouTube channel when I think about what's going to make you watch is essentially what you need to be thinking about when you're making social media content for your fans it's like yeah what is going to get people to watch and come back and what are you kind of almost at least when I think about it I'm always trying to think about what my audience wants so that when they see the video they're like oh my god I was just thinking about this I can't believe you made a video about this because I was going to write you an email and asking you to make a video about this. So, I'm like, you're trying to always be kind of a mind reader, at least I am, to kind of guess anticipate the future. And uh,
1: that's and correct, for sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then that's... some artists just, like, you know, they... they. I feel like most of the time they don't put any thought behind it. It's just, like, they're just throwing stuff into the ether because they've been told mm-hmm. they have to throw stuff into the ether.
1: Well, that, that's what, that was my point beforehand, is that... Um... It's how can you speak to them in a way that they're going to be able to understand like why why this matters to them, Um, because your audience wants to see who you are. They want to know you that old kind of mentality of I need to keep my star stardom aspect is long gone. People hate that this Gen Z does not want you to be this unreachable, untouchable thing. They want you to feel like you can connect with them. You don't need to give everything, save some things for tour, but you need to give enough to where they feel like you're a human being and that they can relate to you and that you're reachable. Because why do people like music artists? Because they want to be them. They like their story. They care about them. Like people see artists as their role models or the people that they're you know, obsessed with or they're inspired by. And you can't do that if you don't give anything to be you know, any personality yeah. into that.
0: For sure. So what would you say to an artist for how they could actually grow on Snapchat? This is kinda disjointed. Of I wish I asked this like twenty minutes ago when we were talking <laughs> about it. But I was just thought of it. Um You know, growing on Instagram, growing on TikTok, you post some videos, you post some reels, and you you put thought behind it. You make awesome videos that pull people in.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Snapchat, there's there's not really like an a feed or like an infinite scroll. I mean, they kind of have some things, but
1: spotlight.
0: So I guess I'm just old and don't know Snapchat enough. (laughs) Yeah, I don't even have it on my phone. Um, I have had it before. First mistake. (laughs) Yeah. So like. Do people generally grow on there mostly by referring people there from their other platforms like TikTok and Instagram, or do they generally grow on there by posting native content to the platform? Both. Okay.
1: Same way you would start any other platform. You'd want to post about it so that the people care about you, know you're that you're in a different place now too, and what kinds of things you're going to be posting there. But then Spotlight has its own feed, own virality aspect, so you can go viral without having a huge audience by posting good content.
0: Cool. Well, next time I have some music coming out, I'm gonna have to have to get on TikTok. <laughs> I mean sorry, get on a get Snapchat. on Snapchat and actually give it a fair shake.
1: Seventy um, snaps a day is the key. It's a lot. Seventy? Seven zero.
0: Wait, like for real seventy?
1: Seventy for good monetization, yeah. Whoa! Real good monetization.
0: Holy shit. Okay, so.
1: <laughs> I mean, spotlights only like, you know, you could post like one a day or two a day. I have a client, I do five a day for her. So the,
0: the spotlights are the, the it's kind of like your TikTok feed. Correct. It's like that's you're getting spread out. So you're mostly like posting 70 of the like, oh. expire in 24 hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like little pictures and videos throughout the day. Yeah,
1: um, man. Because there's a lot of secret monetization strategies around it, and so when you do less, you can still, you know, you can still make money. But there's a lot more money the more that you do, and all the artists are missing out on this money. It's like six figure money
0: out here. <laughs> is but this? I, is, know, I know. This people isn't money people from, people from like Snapchat, right? This is like money no, from selling your own merch
1: no money from snapchat oh yeah all these platforms artists are missing out on so much monetization so much monetization
0: wow man if there's a social if there's a clip that's going at the front of this video this is going to be that 70 post special secret money from snapchat jesus
1: (laughs) (laughs) This, this is what we do on the consulting side we help people make that happen so oh wow yeah
0: Damn, well, this has been awesome. We've been going for about an hour. Um, is there anything you wanna leave people with? Th- places they can find you, ways that you can help them? Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: So you can reach out to us, um, Instagram, next step talent. Um, mine is my first and last name, Tamima Shamas, um, which I'm sure will be in the title or something. Um, yeah. You can reach out in either way. You also can go to next up talent.co and um, click inquiry and it'll come directly. And the new company um, website's not launched yet. But if you reach out via Next Step Talent, we can get you hooked up with whatever makes sense and help you guys out. I'd say my last piece of advice is always stay ahead of the curve. Always pay attention to what's happening next. um, Because everything that everybody thinks is stupid, no matter if it's a new platform, new tech, new whatever new song new artist everybody once thought it was stupid before it was adopted because all that weird and stupid means is that other people have not adopted it yet so it just means that it's unique and it's different but if you're that early adopter that's how you're gonna get ahead you know we look at you know dj khaled and snapchat that's why he got ahead you look at you know jvke this year on tiktok like crushed it And so how it's because you're doing something that nobody else is doing.